0: Greetings friends. I am Matthew Kanaby, licensed professional counselor. You are listening to Experience Emerge. Today we will dive into another conversation about the broken and fractured aspects of our lives. Then we will discuss how we put these pieces back together again to find rest and live free. C.S. Lewis once said, miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. In today's episode, we are going to explore a story in hopes to gain a little bit of perspective on those larger letters. So several months ago, when the COVID-19 shutdown surprised us all, I was introduced via email to a new friend. The original plan was to discuss this miracle story he and his wife experienced while becoming foster and then adoptive parents, but the coronavirus changed that. Plan and our direction for that particular discussion. Prior to the pandemic, I was put in touch with our guest on the show today from our president of Emerge Counseling Ministries, Dr. Crosby. When everything changed, we changed the direction of the interview to allow my guest to discuss what his company, Right Now Media, was providing as far as content for people who might be struggling or needing materials to help them through a very scary time in our history. Well, today we're going to circle back and we're going to air the story about these adoption miracles. Welcome back to the show, Ben and his wife, Rebecca
1: McLennan. Man, thank you so much again for just giving us the opportunity to share with your audience. And um, we, we don't take it for granted. So we're very excited to be here. Um, so we've been married for 15 years, 15 and a half years. Um, we spent a lot of that in full-time ministry, um, been youth pastors, kids pastors, all kinds of different things. What's that? Young adult pastors. Young adult pastors. And we pastors. Uh, we we, when we got married, uh, one of our things was, you know, we were married for about a year, maybe two. And we said, okay, we're going to, you know, want to start our family and, and grow our family. And um, we found out kind of early on, we, we weren't able to have kids. We kept trying to have kids and um, ended up, we went through seven years um, of infertility. Couldn't just, uh, just couldn't have kids. And, saw
2: the doctors and
1: the yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, saw doctors, did all that. And Um, and during that time too, what's, what's interesting about that is during that time, our friends that we had kind of grown up in ministry with, you know, same age as us married a few months before us, you know, they would, they would have not just one kid, but two, three, four kids, um, family members have four kids during that time. And so we just, we celebrated with them, but at the same time, walking through this kind of thing, and we had been asked, um, in 2012,
2: in yeah, November 2012 we had come back from the last doctor's appointment and we were just kind of at this crossroads of we can go down this road of in vitro and IUI and have a very small percentage small percentage of a chance of conceiving a child biologically or we can adopt and that was a an interesting place to be in because i mean neither one was certain i mean either either avenue and either option has Nothing's guaranteed. I mean, you go, you can even go into biological childbirth, and nothing's guaranteed that way as well. But this just seems so much more of a heavy decision for us. What, what do we do? You know, and so November of 2012, um, we were sitting here with this heavy yeah. decision to make, and just that same week, I think there was, was probably like two days after getting news back from the last doctor, we got invited to.
1: Yeah, one of the pastors yeah. of our, uh, we were on staff with. Asked us to come on a television show um, and kind of share our, our our ministry, our testimony, and kind of what we you know we were doing a ministry. And he had asked us, you know, do you know anybody else? And so we had brought this couple, to, you know, invited this couple to come with us. Their son was in our youth group, and so we we shared our part. And then we're sitting on the on the side, kind of, and, and they started sharing their testimony. They had adopted, they had 15 kids. They had adopted some domestically, internationally. They had this ministry where they're doing in Africa and um, and they had gone through, they had, I think they stopped initially. And then they had, had some kids and they got, and they lost some babies as
3: well.
1: Yeah. And so the, the wife is sitting, talking to, you know, to the show doing their part. And she looks at the camera and she says, I believe God will allow certain influential Christian couples to experience infertility to open their heart to the orphan. Mm-hmm. And so if you're out there right now, she's pointing at the camera, if you're out there right now and you're experiencing infertility, God might be tapping on your heart to open your heart to orphan. Well, we're backstage weeping.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: just like, they're not out there. They're right here. Felt
2: like it was, yeah. me. like, was meant for us and it just was an eye-opening experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had had people say, you know, have you thought about in vitro? We'd had people say, you know, we oh, should adopt. We've never had anybody say both.
3: Mm-hmm. Your experience
1: experiencing infertility, maybe you're maybe this is, you know, and so we talked to them for like an hour afterwards and, uh, you know, in like the hallway of the studio and, and she said a few things um, to my wife that really just was like, hit those moments.
2: Well, for me, coming from a woman's perspective, it is, uh, it definitely, Infertility was very challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I, from being a child, the greatest thing I played was, House. See, yeah, I remember something pillows under my shirt, pretending to, you know, be pregnant. And I loved babies, and so this this desire to be a mother was so ingrained in me and was such a part of my DNA. Um, just as a person, that experiencing this infertility it was just devastating. And month after month after month, year after year, and the highs and the lows. And yes. during that whole time, um, I began to believe this lie that said. If I'm not, if God isn't allowing me to experience biological childbirth, then maybe it's because I just wouldn't be a good mother. Yeah. And so I began to believe this lie um, and see this as, um, you know, something being allowed some infertility, being something allowed into my life because it was a punishment. In some like twisted way, I was being punished by God rather than it being um, a divine ordained so you say experience for him to to open my eyes to something else and so sitting in the backstage talking to her it I was able to just share my heart and share my fears like listen this is my I know adoption and is amazing and and it was one of those things that I always said you know one day I would love to adopt. Yeah. you know, but I want my, I want uh, biological children first, you know, just because I want to be able to know that I would be a good mother, and do I have what it takes to yeah. really love a child in such great need, and give them more than I would, more than um they deserve, you know, so to so to speak, and uh, speaking to her, and, and so for me, I was just in this place, and I think both of us, but more so me than Ben, Ben would say all the time, he's like, I, I just kind of feel like I don't know. We're going to get somebody
3: else's
2: and It would make me mad. It would make me scared. It would make me mad. Be, it would make me scared for family. I'm like, is something going to happen to our family? You know, she's like, no, I just feel like there's this, just this sense. I just keep coming back to Yeah. And, excuse me. And um, I don't know, just kind of, in but, my mind, and, and, and granted, I, I think, there's this. There was this stigma. There used to be the stigma of adoption. I don't think it's so much that way anymore. But a foster care and adoption, growing up, it was always oh, second best. Right,
3: it's because you're broken
1: or something's wrong. And, yeah. and that,
2: rather than it's a choice you're making to h- fulfill a need to help someone in need. Yeah. Um, and so I had all of these things going through my mind. Uh, plus I the idea too. Lover.
3: Well,
1: plus the idea too. Like we don't want to mess up like God's perfect will, right? Right. And
2: this is where I'm sitting. I, I don't want to mess God's will up. I don't. I, I don't want to. I don't. Biologically, like the only only way we can go, and if we can't go that route, I'm, am I should I adopt? I don't know. It just seemed like such a bigger, um, weightier thing to make the choice to adopt because yeah. it, it was like I, I'm. You're forcing God's forced, hands. I felt yeah. like I was forcing God's hand yeah. rather yeah. than. Being in partnership with him and this conversation with this woman, it, it was just divine. It opened my eyes. It was right time, and I realized all of these things i had been thinking and feeling were all lies.
3: Yeah, they
2: weren't not the heart of God. Um, most of the things I was thinking and feeling were fe- out of fear, and I began. I spent years believing fear. And she said something to me that was eye opening. Um, she said, "Let's let's say." It is God's will. It is isn't His plan for you to have biological children. But let's imagine that it's not for five more years. Play de- playing devil ab- devil's advocate with me for a little bit. Do you really want your arms to be empty for five more years? And, and no, I couldn't get out, enough. Fast, enough, I can't get out yeah. fast enough. No, and she said, well, maybe God's allowing you to go through this to open your eyes, to the orphan, mm-hmm. and that there are children in our in your city, in your state, in this world, that are in need of a mother and a father right now. And here you are, a mama and a daddy, wait, ready for children. And so it was and in she, that moment.
1: She said, the other thing she said, was she said, she said I, I know your concern might be that if you get to heaven, she said, when I get to heaven and I'm standing in front of God and he mm-hmm. asked me, you know, did I do, and I'm wondering, did I do well? Did I do the right thing? Did I follow your, your, your plan? I don't think he's going to look at the chair of children behind me that are entering his kingdom as well and say, you missed my plan.
0: Very good, yeah.
1: And she said, she said, you know, what is James one twenty seven? Pure religion is true and faultless. Is to look after the widows and orphans in need. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's...
2: That was spring to me. In that moment, I realized, oh, it's not that complicated to follow the Lord. <laughs> sometimes right. I'm wait- we're waiting for this great big, you know, impression in our heart or the writing on the wall. And sometimes we can choose to partner with him and just follow what's already in his Word. And in that moment, we realized we're ready for kids. And there's kids right now who need a mom and a dad, whether that be temporary foster care, you know, foster placement, or we go down the route of domestic adoption. We didn't know what that looked like, but we realized in that moment we were ready to start um, a family.
1: So that was November. By December, we had done like an interest meeting. We'd gone to like an orientation June
3: foster for
1: foster care what we had been mentors in foster care earlier in Arizona and we had done some raised awareness and the the state of Arizona had gone from like 14 13,000 to like 16,000 kids in foster care within, six, within months. six months and so we're like man there's kids in our backyard that, that we want to help yeah and so by June we were licensed foster parents mm-hmm. and then they they called us and said hey we you know, we had gotten calls for kids and said yes and nothing happened. And, you know, with the, with in the system and they call us and said, Hey, we have a 11 month old boy. Would you want to be placed with him? Like, yep, sure. You know? And two, two hours later, like, Hey, we're on our way. So they showed up with this little 11 month old boy with his, you know, onesie was on backwards. He was dirty and disheveled. Um, we didn't know it, but now knowing him, he was scared, you know, and just, um, and they, they dropped him off and they said, Oh, by the way, he's got a five-year-old sister. Um, and so <clears throat> within two weeks, she, three weeks, she had, she was with us yeah. and they said, Oh, and the bio mom's pregnant. And so four months later we had another baby. So we, and, uh,
2: yeah. yeah. Sorry, go, no, so we had,
1: you know, three, zero to three and five months.
2: Well, and, and during foster care, I was so afraid. I just, I, I, I didn't know what I would be able to do, what my capabilities, what my limits were as a human being, uh, I, as a mother. And so we had said, we just want a baby. Like, let's mm-hmm. just try to keep this as naturally as possible. Um, just give us a, a – it yeah, work
1: our way in opinion. parenting. Let's <laughs>
2: work our way. Let's get our feet wet in parenting. You know, our hearts are willing to 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 be a help more. Well, we, we even got –
1: we got licensed for siblings because they said that's one of the biggest things is siblings get split up So we got licensed for two.
2: So our heart was to be able to keep kids together, but we thought let's just get started with one, (laughs) you know? Um, And we said, you know, we would like to have a child under two. Um, And our licensing agency was so great. They said, that's great. We'll license you for a sibling set and you're licensed up to a six years old, but we'll put in your preferences. For you know, under two. To, under two years old, but we just ask that you keep your hearts open. To see. And it's a
1: faith-based agency, so that was really, really key. Just so that they, I, I honestly, I don't know how people do foster care without the Lord. Like I, I don't know, it's it, there's you, you lean on the Holy Spirit and, and on God so much. Mm-hmm. It, um, but anyway, so
2: she said, I just, I just ask that you keep your heart open to see what the Lord would do. And I remember telling myself, okay, absolutely, but inside God, nope. Okay, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do what I'm comfortable with and this is what I'm comfortable with. And the whole time I just kind of had this feeling that the Lord was gonna ask more of me because I'm I was capable of more. Um mm. but my fear was limiting me. Yeah. And I I and until you get a child in your home, it's just the label foster child. And then for yeah, yeah. the whole um your understanding, the stigma of foster What care you've seen is, in movies or what you're experiencing yeah, with somebody story, movies,
1: somebody told you. Yeah.
2: All these things, it's just this i had i had so much fear not everybody is like me a lot of people come into this willingly they not well i was willing as well but it's a dream that they've always wanted to do for me i was just so fearful and i just i, I didn't think i was capable of of so much and we're sitting there we have the baby braxton and i realized oh man and in, in an instant my heart grew yeah. And, and the caseworker said, she's got a five-year-old sister, and we just went out on pregnant. And immediately, yep. forget every fear okay. I had, we can't keep these kids separate. Yeah. We have to keep them together. Yeah. Wow. Um, we'll figure it out later. It, yeah. it, it's just, I just, in that moment, my heart grew a hundred times. My fear went out the window, because here's this person. It wasn't a label. It wasn't, it wasn't foster child. It was Braxton. And I could see his face moment I just felt like who am I to say I can't if God is asking me and is with me and every step of the way it was just from the beginning from the moment I said yep okay let's do foster let's let's do foster care I always wondered am I doing the right thing and it was just one step after the other and then the moment of seeing these kids it was it wasn't about me wasn't about Ben it was about these kids Mm -hmm. it wasn't about my fears it was about how do we help them and home for a week if they're in our home for months if they're here permanently how do we help them and it it, in that moment it was wild to see um those fears i mean not disappear (laughs) they're still there i mean they were there then and you still have fears as a parent and and, am am i capable can i can i love them can i guide them you know as well as they deserve um i don't think that ever goes away but i learned to move through the fear, I, I realized God was with me in a, in a, in a deeper and greater way than I had previously.
1: So we, we ended up getting them and then we, we, we didn't know if they would, you know, become, you know, if we would adopt
3: them. We didn't our know.
2: children's case plan was very unique. They were in foster care for a year pro- previous and they came to us as an emergency uh, removal placement. from a, kin- a horrible kinship placement. So it was, our situation was a little bit unique. They were already moving to separate, adoption. They were already moving to adoption. Oh, three weeks after we'd been placed with Braxton. So we, our case plan, kind of moved kind of quickly. These kiddos were already in need of a permanent placement. Yeah. And so that's how we kind of our so family. So we moved we end up adopting
1: them. them about a year later, um, in 2014. And then we felt the Lord. like almost right after we adopted them, we felt the Lord speaking to us like we need to open our home to foster care again like we're going to do it again and it was kind of crazy but then we found out the, the their bio mom was pregnant again she had married another dad and um she had a baby and within our heart we just said man god if, if there's ever an opportunity for us to keep them all together we would we would love to do that in
2: our heart is for the biological family and it's for it is always better for the child to be to say with mom or dad
1: or both with yeah the biological
2: yeah. family but if that just can't happen, our heart was, let's keep these kids together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we knew the mom, we knew her circumstances. She's just in a place where it's, it's yeah. hard for her. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that the likelihood of this baby. And
1: we, we keep a relationship with her. I mean, we'll, we'll keep in contact with her mm-hmm. just to keep her updated on how the kids are doing. So itself. we
2: knew the likelihood of this child coming into care was probably pretty great. And so always in the back of our mind how do we keep these kids together and our prayer was lord if this baby ever comes into care please make her way to us yeah. and that was my prayer for two years
1: so we we adopt them we move we move end up moving to from arizona to texas we had a lot of our friends who got into foster care because of our story and we'd get updates from people saying hey you know we we are fostering this baby we've you know we've got this going on and some of friends of ours that were the worship pastors at our church, some of our best friends, we actually sat in their living room and walked them through foster care and they told us their story. They had a a son who's 12 um, now, but you know, they had a son and they, you know, we're looking to grow our family and help parents. And well, they call us a year later in, in May. And they said, Hey, we, we know we've been placed a little girl. She's amazing. You guys got to meet her or whatever. Well, they call us two weeks later, Texas, two weeks later. And they said, um, what I think, I, th- I think we might have
2: your kids. They asked us what you know about our biological children's kids, about our children's biological mother. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized, oh my word, oh. they have,
1: they have our kids' as sister. As sister. My so the mom had married the dad, moved to New York, moved back to Arizona without anybody knowing, and the child and the baby girl had been placed into foster care. And out of 20,000 kids in Arizona foster care, she was placed with our best friend.
3: That's, that's, that's insane. Just doesn't hurt us. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, <laughs> it doesn't happen.
1: And yeah. so now we're going, okay, how do, we keep, how do we keep the kids together? And we went through, honestly, and we've talked to our friends about this, we, um, even just recently, we went through kind of this dynamic because they were in this place of, when you get in foster care, if the, if the child isn't going to stay with, if the child's not going to be able to stay with its parents, biological parents family's the next option, right? Well, they're in their minds, our friends' minds, they went, Family is our friends that we sat down with us in our living room to get us into foster care. We're good. We're gonna adopt her because she's gonna be, you know, our our family the family is gonna is sat with us and asked us, you know, and that walked us through this. And in right. our mind we went, She's with you so she can be with her siblings. Right. And so for a year there was our we were, about yeah. ten months there was yeah, this kind of rub with our best friends and we i mean i remember sitting in and going god you you've set us up for failure because our best friends we're going to crush their dreams by wanting to reunite these kids and and just and there was this and and there was the redemption that happened about 10 months later where they you know god just really worked on them and we had these conversations where they sat down with us and they said hey listen we know for you that that, and he even he my uh our, my buddy told me just just like this week he said you know every time we wanted to keep her it was out of a selfish desire for us it wasn't thinking of her yeah and they sat down with us and they said we know that if if you adopt her and if the bio mom has another baby you <laughs> keep all the siblings together and they and they can't stay that you'll continue to foster and adopt those kids whereas for us we feel like this would be it for our family Mm. and so she ended up coming what's crazy is we sat down in the courthouse you know on when they went to when they were moving to adoption and the judge was saying i've never experienced this where we have two good families we have a family that has the siblings and we have a family that's been the foster parents for 10 months that's an amazing family Mm. it's so hard to decide and um and they asked you know the And one of the lawyers said, well, can the foster parents, you know, current placement, our friends say something. So she stands in court, our friend stands in court and she says, judge, we love this family. Mind you, it's the same judge that had our three older kids three years earlier, same judge. And she gets up in court and she says, judge, we love this little girl. She's amazing. We would love to adopt her. We think she's unbelievable, but we've known the siblings since they came to be with their parents. We've known them for 15 years. These are our best friends. And we want her to be able to be with her siblings. And the judge threw her hands up, It's like, "Wait, what?" Literally threw her hands up.
3: Oh
1: my god! She's like, <clears throat> "Do you know each other?" Well, then move her.
3: Like,
1: this, is, you. this is this is it can't be bad. And these now are our best friends. I mean, they come to we spend Easter together. We come on the weekends. You know, when COVID is not going that, on.
2: We would lose our friends. Um, our relationship is so much stronger. They're all it. and our daughter. Blake has not lost anybody. I mean, she yeah. has her aunt and her uncle, and she has her brother. And it, what that whole experience has done in that family, they've now launched a, non- a non-profit that buys brand new shoes for foster children through the heart of their son. Um, it, it, and that's just the beginning for yeah. them. But just to kind of see how God has been in this whole story and just kind of woven.
1: I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's since that time,
2: history. since
1: that time, we've actually adopted their a fifth sibling. So they have another sister that we adopted in May. Um, she came to be with us, and we have a sixth um, that's a different from a different um, um, biological parent. Um, so, but so we have six and um,
2: five of them. Are five or siblings. So, siblings.
0: So. so, of the six kids, are all all of them have they all been adopted at this point? All
3: of- Mm-hmm. yeah yes. you guys have gone through that whole
0: process with all of them yeah yes. yeah wow
2: my house is full i, yeah. I was just <laughs> gonna I say respite, but...
0: i was gonna so say it, yeah i mean is the lord working on your hearts or are we we so, yeah from? so yeah, yeah so
1: we yeah, sit down is, we said right? okay <laughs> may of may of the end this year end of may we adopted the baby the babies on the same day and like a, a week or so later, you know, we've talked about like, okay, we're good. We only have a four bedroom house. It's we we eight can't people. We can't
2: even but
1: she, we're, my wife goes on a jog and she has her time with the Lord on her jog. And she's, she comes back from her jog and she says, says, you know, I was, I was just talking to the Lord and I said, Lord, if, if you want us to take another baby, I'm willing, but you're going to have to help. And I said, you told the Lord what? <laughs> you,
3: I just, so I
1: said, I, you you talk to me before you talk to
2: <laughs> You know, I just, I had gone through my mind and years prior when we got the, the older three, I told Ben, I said, I just don't know, how do I ever say no? And I know there will come a day where wisdom will speak and say, we're done. Like, I know we're in this phase of life, a year away from 40, we're realizing, man, okay, I, I think the time that we have, on this earth you start to evaluate it differently and I realize okay now we have all these kids how old am I going to be when the babies are in That's high right. school and so just that kind of just plays yes. in my mind and what we're planning that way and so I'm definitely uh more cognizant at the same time that couple kids. that we did
1: the show with that has I think they're up to like 16 or 17 now I mean be- kids yeah yeah I mean they're grown and out of the house and one of them's like a uh, special forces and other ones like started, sure. you know. I mean, but 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 I look at them and, and go, examples are
2: heroes, yeah, really doing this. And so, anyway, it, in my mind, I thought then I just don't know how all these years of experiencing infertility and just praying and praying and praying that the Lord would open up, would, would open, would grow our family. How do I ever tell them, okay, enough? Yeah, and so that's just kind of been in my And that's heart. our story, that's not everybody's that's story, not but that's what but we've been, us, yeah. And and I know there was a time. Many
0: days, I go enough. <laughs> yeah, I would
2: imagine. I I, 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 I feel like emotionally, my capabilities, I'm full, and and I think we might be done. But so I just always wanted to leave a, 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 an open door to the Lord. I, if Lord, if, if you yeah, you need us to. I just want you to know I'm willing, mm. but I don't know that I am able right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I'm I am willing, and whether that's respite care, whether that, I, I would love to still have a hand in foster care, whether that's just telling a story over and over and over again. Or and, helping others. Or helping others. Yeah. I, I just definitely just always want to be, have a hand in this world because yeah. it's, it's changed our lives. There's such a need for these, for these kids to have safe homes, mm. uh, the, the, the foster families who have. Been placements for thirty children, fifty children are my heroes. Yeah. Being able to walk through this season of hopelessness for these kids and be able to be a, a part of healing for them, and then be able to reunify with their biological family or to find a forever placement is—they're my heroes. Yeah. I, they're the people doing amazing work, and and so I just want to, to always be a part of that world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I just so b- badly want to do respite care. Um, at some point, but um, I think
1: mean, honestly, we we know like we're in our purpose. It's it's part of our calling. Just that I mean, we've spent so many nights on the phone with couples that we've never met that found us some way, and that we are just sit down and walk them through. It needs
2: to be a shoulder for someone, yeah. or just answer to, questions, be another voice of encouragement that you are on the right road. Of you've already been thinking about this. Your well, fears are valid. Your fears are valid. Yeah. They're not going to go away. Finding the greater purpose in it, to be able to move through this year is what it's about and and um, I think for us it, it, this inf- experience of infertility really was a scenario per- to open our hearts to work I realized it wasn't we weren't visible. it wasn't a our curse it was, it was a
1: blessing it
2: yeah. really was a, a, a pivoting point in yeah. our lives it what a, a tra- change the trajectory that's a, that's a hard word change the trajectory nice. of our nice. lives.
3: Nice.
0: yeah I think Ben you and I talked a little bit last time and um, you know, my, our, my wife and I, we went through um, a long season of infertility and miscarriage and um, it's, there's, some, there's a stigma that goes along with it that I think for her and I, we've gotten to the point where we've been able to be open and talk about it. But it's interesting to me that it, it's something that is very it's difficult to talk about and a lot of people there's not a lot of resources for it but then yeah the more and more we've been able to talk about our journey and then going through ivf and and everything all of a sudden all of these people start coming out of the word work the and community yeah and i'm like yeah. Yeah. where were you guys before
2: <laughs> you know Exactly. He's just so alone. And yeah. Isolated. And isolated. And like, yeah. Infertility is just so crippling because you think procreation is such a fundamental human That's right. what you're creating to do. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to just be able to do that. Yeah. And when the body's just not working in that way, it's such a personal failure and it just hits you at your core. Well, your and it's, it's like a,
1: it's a monthly thing.
2: It's just it's mean, a and, monthly reminder. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: It's, it's very difficult. Um,
0: so I wanted to, to talk to you guys a little bit about, because Ben, ben you and I had, uh, I think you were on the fifth episode of our podcast that, that we launched this year. So the intent was that you and I were going to talk about that story. And then lo and behold, right. a week later, <laughs> the entire world flips upside down and this COVID thing hits that we had no idea anything about. And um, we decided to have a conversation regarding about right now media and and what was going on in the world because we were in the beginning of a pandemic that nobody knew any information. You guys were launching a bunch of information, but then 15 we 15
1: days of, to slow the spread, right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> 15 <laughs> days,
0: and, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll flatten the curve. We're going to flatten the curve in 15 days. So. So during that podcast, you and I kind of teased the story that you guys just shared. And then and uh, prior to us starting recording today, I, we were kind of laughing going, we were planning on doing another episode, not expecting to still be in the same position right. we were. <laughs> Back then, uh, which was months ago, but I wanted to talk to you guys on a level as parents uh, about a little bit about parenting during this time, some of the challenges, some of the things that you've experienced and noticed. And then um, if you're okay, talking a little bit about what your experiences will be with this going back to school season that so many parents as, as a, a mental health professional that's a daily conversation with my clients and families and stuff. And yeah. maybe just share a little bit about some of the, your thoughts and, and what that looks like for your family.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been difficult for sure. I think, you know, you, you, you think that you know we're going to get through this, you know, we're going to just kind of, we're going to go a month, maybe, you know, maybe it's going to be six weeks and then now we're, you know, five months into it. It's been difficult to walk through. I think, for the kids, the kids have done. They're better than we're at, than we are as parents. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, they're more resilient. I think. You know, it's definitely helped a lot. Being it's summer because uh, especially here in Arizona, summer's so hot you don't go out anyway. You know, mm-hmm. 118 degrees. So I think that's helped a and
2: lot. Also, been a challenge mm-hmm. is we can't send the kids outside to go play and let off steam. So everybody's inside all day. Yeah. yeah, It's been hard. And I think, well, for me as a mom, I, I, I always feel like I need to be on for the kids mm-hmm. and I got to be positive and the cheerleader and it's okay. And listen to everybody's feelings and help um, navigate. Not to say that Ben dad doesn't do that because he's no, great yeah. at that. But I think just as the mom, moms carry a different weight, yep. sometimes very unrealistic expectation yep. of things. But we do, and in the beginning, I, I, I was like, "Okay, I, I got this. We can do this. I'm going to stay up and be positive. We're going to be all right. It's going to be no big deal." And come July, I I feel like personally, this last month has hit me harder than the months prior, hmm. and I think it's just for me, it's this mental game. The kids don't go outside; they're kind of sheltered from it. We keep the news off. In the beginning, it was this whole world of everything's different. And now they've yeah. gotten used to the idea. Okay, I understand. And they talk about all the time. Well when the virus is gone, can we go do this? When the virus is done, can we go do this? And it's yes. And they're, you know, we do our best to where they can hear stay optimistic and um positive and think about, oh, what are we gonna do when this is done? When we, when we get we go back to normal, let's go to Disney World. Let's plan this, let's plan you know, give them something to hope for, expectations past this. But for me as the mom, I have, this month has been so hard for me mentally and emotionally. And I think because for me, it's been so long. And mm-hmm. When are we going to go through this? And I think we all ended the school year going, okay, it this way, but we're going to be back to normal by the, by the by time get, school starts. Yeah. And here we are, by the time school starts. And it just seems even worse in some ways yeah. than it did back in the beginning. And so for me personally, I, I find myself excusing myself to my room a lot more to be able to just take a breath mm-hmm. or to go do some yoga <laughs> or to be able to just go spin on a bike, you know, cycle for a little bit. Um, it, it's, it's definitely been challenging, and I've realized it's not a sprint. And I think at the beginning I tried to sprint through this and just, like, get it done, get it over with. And it's a marathon, this whole yeah. lockdown thing. I think, too,
1: giving ourselves and our kids permission to – To feel
2: what you feel. Yeah,
1: to, to talk. I mean, we, we can express how they and feel. We listen.
2: And, I, and there's a book that Ben and I have – we've never finished it, but we definitely listened to a big chunk of it, um, How to Talk to so Your Kids to Listen and How to Listen to so Your Kids to Talk, maybe it's the other way around. But anyway, that book was so good for us because Ben and I are both firstborn. Mm-hmm. He's a pastor's child. I'm a military child. So we're both pretty Type A, and we like to tell people, "No, this is how you do it." You know, so we like to talk a lot and tell you how you how you need to do things. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how we interact. And in, and in when it's a parenting and the first couple of years of parenting, and the last few, we've really had to take a step back and realize, man, we need to listen more. Mm-hmm. And so it's that was something, a journey we've been on already, but this whole COVID experience has really taught us, man, we got to listen extra. We've got to stop, really hear what they're saying. The the temper tantrums, which are every five minutes, it's mm. wild, you know, yeah. um, and they're, they seem stronger and, and, and um, louder because all these, our kids are just carrying all these emotions yeah. and they don't know what to do with it. There's no normal. And, and it's hard to remember that sometimes, as a parent, because when I'm feeling exhausted, and I'm feeling emotionally drained by all this, and feeling like is the world ever going to go back to normal? Mm-hmm. My kid is feeling that, but doesn't have the words to be able to explain. It
1: doesn't know, that. Why, it they doesn't feel know that way. why they feel that way. They just know they way. can't go. They can't go to the grocery store with us like they used to. They can't go, you know, into sure. Target or Costco. You know. Difficult.
2: And so, as a parent, sometimes I'll catch myself like, oh, so frustrated, and then I stop and realize, wow, okay, they're feeling it. And being able to ask them, "What do you need?" That, that's a sentence I've learned just to ask. What do you need to be able to see the anger, to know the anger? She, she wrote the write I, it right down. I have it notes everywhere. Anger is an unmet need. So when my child is throwing a fit and throwing things and you know screaming at his brother or sister, there's anger there. There's an unmet need. What's going on? Do you need a hug? Do you need to, to talk it out? Do you need a journal? What's going on, buddy? What do you need? Yeah. And um. <laughs> That's something that we've be, we've been practicing more and more as a family, being more intentional about extending more grace yeah.
1: um, to ourselves and to our skills.
2: kids. And that's something I'm not very, have not been very good at it, extending grace to myself in the past. Like, oh, my expectations are high for myself, and I I, I better not fail. Um, but realizing that we're, we're together, all, yeah, yeah, we're all in an impossible situation here, and you're gonna have moments where you crumble. Um, But to extend grace to yourself and know that you can start again. The power of the restart is amazing. (laughs) We (laughs) restart all the time. Okay, buddy, why don't you just go sit on your bed and just take a deep breath and come back when you're able to, you know, be
3: good, when when you
2: feel good inside, when you feel like uh, you can be around us all or um, be with one another. it's challenging for sure. You know, in the beginning, it didn't feel as bad because we, we could, we're unique we're in Arizona. It's 120 degrees outside. You can't send the kids outside the place. It's not safe. Right. In the beginning, we could send them outside. They could run around. Now they're cooped up inside and it's just all this physical stuff. They got to get out. And so it, it definitely has its challenges. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. What, what are your thoughts um, about this back to school season? How, how are you guys handling it? And um, yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean,
2: It feels impossible. It feels like no matter what, I'm going to make the wrong decision. It's the weight I feel. Don't you? Or maybe I'll be judged for whatever decision I make one way or the other. So there's pressure with that. And everybody,
1: it, it. it, I know it's not, but it feels like everybody has an opinion and that opinion is very loud and they're right. Right. But
2: every opinion has, there's pros and cons to either decision. Um, Yeah.
1: And the thing is too, like we, you know, we were talking about it, like, every school is different, every district's different, mm-hmm. you know, every, every, so it's like, who's right, who's wrong, which experts are you looking to today or this hour that has a different opinion from the last one, Right. you know? And so, and, and, you know, we have a conversation today with a, a buddy of mine that he was saying, you know, I don't know if I'm going to, he has a, a daughter, um, one daughter. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to let her go back. So she doesn't wear a mask. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. Like, I have
2: in a different realizing that every family is in a different circumstance
1: yeah based on i mean i have four kids that would go back to school that means i'm going to get a lot more work done i i'm blessed that i get to work from home but i got to be able to work so if they can't if they do go back to school which they're all starting online here you know with our uh they go to a, a charter school here in arizona so they're gonna start online for three weeks and then go back to school right now that's the plan right now who knows what the plan will be exactly a week from now. And so, um, so I, I think just, you know, everybody's kind of got to make their decision.
2: What's best for your family? And that's
1: something that we, we've talked about, you know, even, even when we went through the foster care and adoption process and everything we did,
2: we,
1: you've you got to give yourself the grace to go, I'm going to make the best decision I know with the information that's given to me. Yeah. You know, you take in as much information as you can make the best decision you can in that moment. And a lot of families have, you know, they have people who are, are you know um, that health have health issues that they can't you know maybe you know that,
3: yeah
0: exactly and so
1: I I think walking through that I mean we have you know it was interesting too with COVID it was it started out not everybody this way but it started out with that thing out there that somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody had that's right and then it quickly became okay I
2: know so many people my old
1: boss had, it. had you know, it. it and then my yeah. you know and then my old pastor it's, it's had right it right in your back and, right there. And yeah. then it's like, and then then you have people, and then and you're constantly wondering, well, did I already have it? I don't know. I remember I couldn't, you know. <laughs> That's like, right. I remember back in January I couldn't breathe very well. Was it here? Or not? We're at uh, Disney yeah. World in <laughs> Christmas, so did we get it? That like just like you know, um, and so you have to just I think you you've got to make the best decision with the information you have in front of you. Yeah. And give yourself the grace to make mistakes. You yeah. know.
0: I think one of the things that that we've been doing as therapists and talking to people is you know we can't make blanket blanket statements for everybody because everybody's mm-hmm. in a different situation and I think that we've got to be careful about our judgment on other people for making decisions, what's right for their family. I think that's one of the bigger things in the message that we're trying to get out. And we're actually at Emerge, we're gonna be doing a, um, a town hall type of meeting um, for parents with administrators and principals to be able to have a dialogue so that parents could come and ask questions and, and get better data to make the decisions yeah. that they need to make from their families but the thing i want to encourage people is let's not bring judgment to other people for whatever they're choosing to do based on their family's needs you know i think that's one of the big things and so ben and bex i wanted to give you one more opportunity and then we'll wrap up with this but um ben you and i in our, our last podcast you shot me a, a video of your daughter and and we played a, a piece of it on on the podcast or whatever but then fast forward a couple months later and all of a sudden it's everywhere so just tell me real quick about how that happened and and where what, what is happening with that video now
1: yeah it's so crazy so it's my daughter blake which is actually the little girl that uh our, our friends fostered so the, the fact that she did it in our life is unbelievable but yeah but yeah, so we recorded it back in March. We told the kids it was when spring break and they weren't going to go back to school, you know, so we kind of walked. We and held forth.
2: off on telling the kids as long as we could. And then right. Sunday night before they were supposed to go back to Monday. Like, I guess we're going to tell them they're not going back yeah. to
1: And we posted it online. It it got a couple of views. I mean, it got like 10,000 views on Facebook, which is, you know, which was like substantial. But we had somebody, a friend of ours that was uh, part of an Instagram called Soul Pancake. It's like a rain wilson the wife in the office is the guy who, who runs it mm-hmm. and she the next day after i posted it
3: producer.
1: producer she she said hey you know could we use it i said, sure they didn't end up using it didn't do anything with it until jul- the first monday in july and she posted it and it just yeah. went crazy i mean it was michelle pfeiffer and you know all these i mean like you know right. J.Lo lo and yeah. jennifer I- aniston and you know all these and then it just like and went. it got like 10 million We're views on Facebook.
2: In Africa and yeah. Australia. The UK. And... I'm like, okay, where are
3: you? And... Literally. She failed
1: is how I feel. Like, <laughs> she's put into words how I well, feel. Well, when
2: we told the kids in March, and her, her, I mean, their world completely changed. But as an adult, you go, well, I can still go out. I mean, it's scary out there, but I can still go out. There's still some level of normalcy. normalcy but the children, everything stops. And so,
1: by the time we were three months into it, everybody yeah, felt I the came. way she felt. And with July, <laughs> I feel like how
2: she felt in March. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And
1: and so it's been incredible. I mean, we've through this story, we've been able to share our story with, you know, we did a uh, an interview with a local station in Cleveland. We did um three three of the local stations here in Arizona, we did some national things. We still have some more things coming up um and coming up that we'll be able to to do some interviews with. And what's the, the favorite thing for us is because of Blake's story through adoption, we've been able to share that, and we've had people reach out to us and say, I thought about foster care, but I never really, you know, know, knew if I could do it, and, you know, reading your story, or reading your blog, or reading, you know, following you on Instagram, or whatever that is, um, I mean, we have people that, you know, they were adopted, they went through foster care, Um, we've had been able to, you know, message with people, and even talk to people, and say, hey, you know, Here's some of the misconceptions of foster care. Here's some, and so our our heart, our hope is that you know, just
2: to be another voice advocating for the kiddos in foster care. Yeah, there's yeah. so many great voices out there doing amazing work for these kids, and the fact that through this viral video we can be another voice. To, yeah, you know, and even just maybe even point aware. to those
1: those ministries or those mm-hmm. people that, that say, hey, here's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, it's been really cool. It's been amazing viral experience.
1: Like there's there's one we found out about one that there's a a, a a non-profit that they help raise money for people who are doing domestic private adoption. That's all they do. And so like, how can we find? They're and they're looking for couples. Like they're looking for families to say, hey, are you doing private adoption? I want to help you raise money? Like, how can we pair those together? I mean, just yeah. that aspect of things. So, yeah.
0: Your your guys' story is is absolutely incredible and I, I really appreciate both of your guys's hearts in this and um, Ben I noticed a couple times that you even got emotional today and and you can just you can just tell that th- this is such a um, just a massive undertaking it, it's it's not mm-hmm. something that um is is just like yeah let's just do this lightly and and this will be easy and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what i mean and so I, I i just appreciate it i have such a heart for adoption and and fostering and, and my nephew and you know i i can share our stories with you guys at some point when when, when we get together maybe someday when we come out to arizona after all this stuff has right yes. past yeah. us but um i just i appreciate you guys time is there anything else you guys would like to share today before we go
1: i think one thing that we i we say that i would i would encourage anybody listening is that um and you kind of hinted to it that we we say as a family redemption is messy mm. so you know when you're a part of whether that's through foster care adoption or just your personal story my redemption is, as who who i am as a man and who i am as a husband and, and what we've walked through it's messy but it's beautiful
2: um, yeah, and I, I, you know, this whole experience where we're at our story with our kids at this point, and this whole viral video with Blake, I had a lot, I've contemplated a lot on, wow, this is an amazing thing we are living. But in the moment, looking back, it looks amazing, living in it now, and I look back and I go, this is an amazing story. But before I got here, I didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and I just followed my heart one step at a time yeah. and so my encouragement would be to people if you're sitting in a position where you don't know which what step to take next or you have an inkling of something you want to do or you have a, a heart for something but you're afraid my encouragement would be just follow that inclination listen to the voice follow the promptings and and just step out and face afraid or not step out and see what will unfold one step at a time one
1: step at a time i think that's the thing that we think sometimes that we think that if i go to a foster care meeting that i'm gonna i'm signing up on the dotted line by walking in the door Mm -hmm. you know or that i've i've committed and i can't go back no you can just find out you know what find out what that next step is just like go to we it's for us it was we went to an interest meeting uh, an orientation we didn't sign up to be foster parents that we went through six months of classes and filled out Mm -hmm. paperwork and so we just felt like each step, take that next step, and then. Um, and I'm I am not
2: afraid anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not the fear doesn't go away. You just kind of step out.
0: And step out they did. What an uplifting story during a time when we need to be inspired. I had such a great time with Ben and Bex on this call. I look forward to meeting them in person one day. I know we are going to make that happen. Until then, we're going to get a Zoom call together and get him and his wife, along with me and my wife, on on together and, and get to know each other even better. I'm really looking forward to continuing that relationship. To be able to have the faith that the McLennans had during this time is truly inspiring. I hope it has affected you today. There is such need in this world for fostering and adoption. If you feel God tugging on you, lean into it. Thanks, Ben and Bex. And thank you for listening. Please find us on all the social media outlets at Emerge Counseling Ministries. Well, until next time, or when our Savior comes, God bless.